imagine sitting in the park in the heat Stomach empty, starving to eat Palms are sweaty, heart starting to beat About to get beheaded cause you didn't take the mark of the beast Bill Gates doesn't care about black teens He's trying to alter our DNA by giving us vaccines These elite Satanists are the psychoists They preparing our bodies to accept the microchip Can you imagine walking into a Wells Fargo Not being able to withdraw money because you ain't got a barcode your right hand or your forehead if you don't take the mark of the beast you're gonna fall to the floor dead head cut off bodies squirming our own government acting like nazi germans they want us to live in fear filled with uncertainty one world government under one currency i can categorically say that this is end times this virus is breaking us down just like an enzyme there's pedophiles leaving men and women childrenless these politicians are dummies and the devil's a ventriloquist Stemming from Epstein's Island Gavin Newsom ain't your governor He's a tyrant He took away everything That makes us happy and vibrant And put a mask on us To keep us silent Can you imagine sitting in the park in the heat Stomach empty Starving to eat Palms are sweaty Heart starting to beat About to get beheaded Cause you didn't take the mark of the beast Bill Gates doesn't care about black teens He's trying to alter our DNA By giving us vaccines These elite Satanists Are the psychoists to accept the microchip. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Josh and Jason Monday Christian and Conspiracy Podcast. I am your host, Josh Monday. If you don't know me, I'm a Christian rapper, devoted husband, father, and army veteran. I'd like to introduce you to my co-host. He's a Christian, devoted husband, and father. What's up, Jason? Good afternoon, everybody. What's up, Gary? How's everything going? So happy to be with you guys and uh, always, always busy, but uh, just love getting on the show and uh, talking about whatever you guys want to talk about or particularly what your audience wants to talk about. So. So guys, this is our perfect guest, Christian and Conspiracy. Gary goes over so much stuff. He's awesome. Uh, here's his book, guys. You guys need to definitely check it out. The Genesis 6 Conspiracy. Definitely check it out, guys. It is so awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I just started reading it uh, out of the time that I have, which I don't have any. I'm trying to work it out as much as I can and uh, get into it and dig deep. So uh, Gary Wayne, thank you so much for coming on, brother. We really appreciate you, brother. Thank you for inviting me. So, um, all right, guys, so let me go over the Bible verses that I wanted to go over today. It's going to be Revelations 20, verses 1 through 6. It says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up. And set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosened a little season. And I saw thrones and they, they sat upon them and judgment has given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon his forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This was the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, and such the second death hath no power. 
but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Guys, such a such a powerful uh, verses right there, man. It's it's very interesting. And I would and I would like to talk to Gary today about because uh, we talked about the beginning, you know, like Genesis. We talked about Genesis six on the last show. Now I would like to talk about, you know, the 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 now and also you know the the prophecies that of the end times if that's okay with you gary yeah that's perfectly fine and i and i love the uh, verse that you quoted because you know for a lot of people who sort of get things out of order with biblical chronology in terms of prophecy they have to ignore chapter 20 and a lot <laughs> of people who have a lot of different views where they don't include all of the passages have to ignore the millennium period because it just doesn't sync with what with what's being talked about and it's a beautiful recap of what revelation is really all about it's it's a summary and the consequence thereof including you know that resurrection that is another resurrection in the sequences of resurrections that will take place in the last seven years this is yet another one that has to happen just before the millennium because it's going to encompass all the people who refuse to not just take the mark but also not to worship satan and also not to worship antichrist who were killed separate from the ones who may survive into the millennium but a different resurrection than the first fruits. And when Jesus come, those who died with uh, Christ uh, as a believer, this is a separate one that you have to understand there's several resurrections if you're going to understand chronology perfectly. And this sort of eliminates a lot of theories if you keep this one in your back pocket. Awesome. That's a great, great uh, interpretation of those verses. Um, so I wanted to ask you, where do you feel we are in the end times prophecy? Like, where do you feel we're at, Gary? Again, very good question. And very good question in the times that we're in where we see a lot of end time like things that might indicate that we're uh, going in, into the end times. The thing we have to be careful of uh, and I always like to sort of throw this out as a qualifier, is that so many people have predicted dates and predicted events and all sorts of things that they get ahead of themselves on the chronology that I was referring to earlier. So we want to be careful of that. So I sort of preface everything. If we are in the fig tree generation, what would that look like? And what is the fig tree generation? And the fig tree generation could be a generation of 40 years, as is talked about during the time of the conquest or the exodus, I'm sorry. Uh, it could be 70 years, as the Psalms talks about, or it could be 120 years uh, that Genesis 6-3 talks about. Mm -hmm. And so, okay. and, and the generation doesn't have to go that full length. So the fig tree generation is sort of a prophetic allegory for the southern kingdom of Judah. Okay. Whereas the northern kingdom that's still lost and is yet to be awakened, but will in the last seven years, were the vine. And so Jesus, before and not too long before he presents the signs that the disciples ask for, he kills a fig tree in Jerusalem and it's going to mm -hmm. bear no fruit. And that's just before he prophesizes the overturning of the temple in Jerusalem and what is going to, you know, 
shortly transpire after his crucifixion. And so this fig tree is the allegory we want to keep in line when he's talking about the fig tree generation and when you see it coming to bloom and you need to understand the season. So it's that generation when not only the southern kingdom, visible Judah, as opposed to lost Israel, is in the covenant land. Now, you get a couple of dates that are important while they're in the covenant land, 1947, when they yeah. declared their independence, 1948, when they won their independence. But one of the critical things about end time prophecies, it centers around possessing Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah. And so that's essential in most of those end time prophecies. So I think if you have a countdown, if we are in the fig tree generation, you start counting down from that. So that starts to say, okay, if it's 40 years and we would be already in it, but we're not seeing enough chronological events happening. If it is 70 years, that means we're into the last seven years, uh, either starting or completing by, say, 2037 or to 2044. Mm, and interesting. if it's 120 years, well, there's more time still and things to happen. Yeah. But what we do know is that you have an over sort of arching sign that is provided by Jesus at the beginning of the signs. And you get the two overarching other prophecies for the fig tree generation with the fig tree generation being one and then followed immediately by the days of Lot or the, the, the lifetime of Lot, Lot and uh, Noah. Um, so and Luke and is where Lot comes into play where Luke mentions both. And so we have the beginning of sorrows. When he lays out the birth pangs, which yes. are um, earthquakes. They are wars and rumors of war. Mm -hmm. They are pandemics and they are famine. And also mm -hmm. add into what Luke is talking about in chapter 21, if my memory serves me correctly, about the surging seas. So we need mm -hmm. to have all of those sort of working in unison, conjunction with each other and getting mm -hmm. stronger as you get to the birth of the new age of Jesus reigning as the millennium, as opposed to the new age of the uh, polytheists and new age movement, but for the millennium where he's going to rule. And this is part of what we need to see happening more together and in more significant ways as we progress on. So we're starting to see pandemics. I mean, COVID is one of those more significant events that's not seemingly quite going away and we could see other other um, pandemics. And certainly we're starting to see nations like, particularly with the leadership that's in the West, to put it nicely today, um, you see Russia and China who are gearing up to secure a larger place for themselves in the new world order that I like to call the Nephilim world order of the yeah. 10 kings that Babylon is going to sponsor. So we haven't seen Babylon rise yet, but we've seen the world religion starting to surface, whatever yeah. people think that is. I think it's a universal mystical languages that sort of recreates monotheism within. And you have a lot of work to get that done. But we do see some work with the World Council of Churches, the Covenant of Abraham that's going to open up uh, next year that the, that the is a covenant between um, Roman Catholic Christians and um, Islam, Sunni only, not Shia or Sufi. 
mm. and with some sects of, of Judaism. And mm. they're calling that like the World Religion Center, right? So it's, yeah. it's sort of that starting place. So that hasn't come together yet. Well, so feels I like think, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it feels like it's going, I want to say like what I've been studying, it goes in with what you're saying, but uh, I feel like when the, the church of Pergamum, as in, in chapter 12 of Revelation and, and the angel of the church writes to Pergamus, and he talks about how I know that works. I know whether, where thou dwellest, even where the Satan seat is, and thou holdest fast my name. And it says, uh, and has not denied my faith, even those days where an Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. Well, I feel like how where Pergamus was the heart of the Babylonian worship, because when Babylon was con conquered, that's where all their priests and that's where all their uh, their uh, followers went to worship their gods in, in Pergamum. And then when you have uh, the time, kind of like when when uh, when uh, when uh, when Julius Caesar goes and conquers them, he finds out, hey, I like this kind of religion. I like how they they adopted it, and he brings it back to Rome. So therefore, you could probably see where Babylon. Maybe Babylon wouldn't be a place, but where its worship went to, it followed into to Pergamum, then it went to Rome, and then Rome dispersed it out throughout the world. And now you still have that idol worship. See, we look at, uh, Gentiles look at, at prophecy, we think of action and fulfillment, like something has to be done to fulfill something. But Jews think of it as, as in pattern. So when things are patterned, they know that it's prophesied right. So I feel like Abraham left. Um, he left the Chaldeans, which was in, which was Babylonian idol worship. He left there. Then it, they, then the devil found out how to, how to, you know, mimic that and push it out there. So now you have the heart, it goes into the heart of Israel. Now you have that, uh, that Baal, Balaam worship that's stuck there. And it, that, that's why the, that's why Judah didn't accept it all the way, but the Northern kingdoms, they went rampant with it. They stayed into it. They didn't, they didn't care. So now that's what I feel like that the, the, the end times are about. We're, we're following that, that idol worship again, and we're going back to the ways of idol worship, which is even, even in Catholicism, when you see Roman Catholic, he brought up too, that when you bring them all together, that's like saying when Constantine says, here, here's the cross, all, 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 all religion is basically okay. Even this idol worship, even your, 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 your pagan worship, but as long as you know, Christianity, we're, we can't beat them, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna join them. So it's kind of they're gonna do the same thing like back then because that's when a lot of crap, a lot of stuff started back then when when a lot of things religiously was going wrong, you know, inquisitions, everything, you know, they were they were they were murdering Christians left and right. But I think it's gonna go. I feel like it's gonna the pattern's gonna follow that. Right? Okay. That Baal worship, yeah. whatever that Balaam, that whatever got taught to them is gonna be a stumbling block for us Christians as well. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Um, and I also want to throw in there, and I'm going to come back to it. Like, I mean, we're told it's a mystery religion. So it's, that's the Greek word mysterion, and it's yes. a mystery religion, and it's initiation. And so uh, we need to keep that in mind. And all the allegories, whether, you know, that has to do with adultery and prostitution are all allegories defined in the Old Testament to define worshiping polytheism. So like, like spiritual fornication, right? Like yeah. you're spiritually fornicating yeah. with another, yeah. with another so, God. Yeah. Every word used to describe Babylon goes back to that ancient religion, and Babylon is rooted in the Greek and Hebrew word Babel, so it's the religion of Babel, 
that Nimrod imposed, who was an archetypical figure for, for the end time uh, as an antichrist with that universal religion. So that's kind of part of it. And if you look at um, prophecy in the beast empires in account seven in Revelation 17 and four going forward in the Babylon metallic and beast empires, you have seven empires that were very important in terms of of what happened to Israel. So you have to have that 10th empire in the end time. And what I mean by that is that, and that's why Babylon's gonna sponsor the 10 kings because it's part of that. In all of the beast empires, you have that polytheist religion as part of the organizational structure to the, to the beast empire. So in Egypt, that's the first beast. That's where Israel becomes a nation. The mm -hmm. second empire is Assyria. Um, which is based out of Babel and Babylon and Nimrod as, as descendants, but they actually expropriate the Northern Kingdom and send them into exile and into, into slavery, uh, and they won't be seen until the end time. And then along comes um, Babylon, and they take Judah, the Southern Kingdom, into exile. And then Persia makes it available to them to build a new temple and move back. Greece moves in, and that's where it starts to move into this Pergamum and Seed of Satan type of historical aspect, um, you know, that the Nazis were also involved in, in, in putting in place. And then you have the, uh, the, and you also have an abomination like happening in the Greek Empire too, um, but it's not the real abomination, but there is, uh, an abomination that is set up in the, in the in the second temple and then you have the roman empire who is going to not only oversee the crucifixion of jesus but also is going to disperse judah to the four winds again only they're not lost they're still a visible people and so when we look at babylon then and we look at it as what is babylon and what should we be looking for it's more than just one thing and that's where a lot of people get sort of confused so we know it is a place because it's called a city nine times in Revelation 14, 17, and 18. Mm. So we know it's a city. We know it is a religion based on what we just talked about in terms of being a polytheist and all of the abominations, all of the allegories are religious sort of orientated. And we know she sits on many waters as Revelation 17 talks about, so we know it's a universal religion. And we also know that ba uh, Babylon is this worldwide commercial center because she grows rich and all the merchants in Revelation 18, as, as we're described, grow rich from working with this new commercial capital center uh, in, in the world. So I think actually Babylon is mm -hmm. probably going to take a, a tribute or a tax on every electronic transaction that happens going forward. She's gonna be that powerful. And Babylon is also the force that sponsors the 10 kings that brings them together that antichrist is going to negotiate so we need to understand babylon as all of that and understand it as a daughter of babylon as the allegories are coming from the old testament and understand it as the beast religion because it's part of that organizational structure would you say it was and mother and is and is one part mother? of the you yeah, just just a second i'm just going to wind this up and it's one part of the meanings of the beast empires and system because you have to understand all you know all the things that it talks about with the beast empire so between babylon and the beast empire you have to look at all of the the references and prophecy to understand all of its aspects to get a firm mm -hmm. grip on what's being talked about
Interesting. So, I'm sorry. There's a question. Yeah, as I said, well, yes. would you say that the 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 basis of all their like their idol worship is it, a lot of it's based on a mother son, like a like a mother and a uh, and a and a uh, how do you say uh, a resurrected son basically, kind of like kind of like just mimicking, you know yes, how a, how a counterfeit religion. Yes, with a counterfeit antichrist that we're going to see a counterfeit armageddon we're going to see counterfeit yeah. yes, uh, yes rapture yes, we're yes. going to see counterfeit <laughs> everything because they have to do that to deceive so, people yeah i want to i want to ask because uh this is gonna be my next question anyways so you're talking about the counterfeit rapture what do you feel is going to be the strong delusion from uh second thessalonians 2 uh verse 11 everyone talks well, about it being like a alien invasion uh project yeah. blue beam what, what is your yeah, feeling yeah. on that it's everything. It's not just one thing. I think that's part of that. Um, but the, the delusion that overcomes the last generation that creates that godless generation that's described in, in Timothy. And it's, a, you know, not a nice generation. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a deception that is going to deceive even the elect if that were possible. And it yes. is. So it's got to include who Antichrist is and how Antichrist makes himself credible mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. the Messiah. So it's all of that. And understand when we're talking about counterfeits, I don't know where the, I got it in there, but counterfeit Armageddon. There has to be mm -hmm. a counterfeit Armageddon to fully counterfeit the prophecies before Jesus gets here. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's, and you said rumors of wars, as you guys see, man, you guys see China ramping up, you see Australia and China looking, uh, Taiwan, uh, USA is looking like they want to get involved. Russia's back in China. A lot of, a lot of rumors of war right now going on guys, a, a lot. And there's a lot of hot zones that we, you guys don't even know about that, that when I was in the military, they showed me a big diagram of all these red spots that were actually at war and nobody <laughs> in the civilian world about knows it. about yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's crazy. It's interesting. It's very interesting stuff. So, well, as as they're promising an age of peace and the wonderfulness of globalism, the you know the descendants of Goebbels' uh, news network um, <laughs> have to uh, use propaganda and not report things that are detrimental to um, bringing about global government and, and and the universal religion, and so. Um, they're just going to dumb those things down. And yeah. if we look at what's going on with weather, pa weather patterns today, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, you know, what do you think about that and global warming? I'm going, you know, there's issues that are going on perhaps with the weather. I mean, I'm not buying the snow caps melting because they've been melting since the last ice age and they'll continue <laughs> no matter what. So, yeah, <laughs> but if there are weather patterns changing, then whatever they're going to tell us it is, is a lie. You yeah. have to understand that they're not going to tell what the truth is, what's going on, just For as sure. they don't want to flag the birth pangs. Yeah. Right. So the fake news is going to lie because that's what they do. And yeah. even when they can't hide from how bad they are, you know, in terms of getting caught at lying, they continue. <laughs> and half the population or more still believes them because they want to believe that lie. And that's part of that deception that's coming. That's part of the brainwashing uh, that yeah. has taken place that they know they're lying. But they, it is so awful to think that they could be wrong or believe the wrong thing, and no way could they ever believe the truth. 
Yes. That yeah. they'll deny it. And that's that's yeah. part of that big delusion that we see, I think, wrapping up in the birth pangs. Amen to that. That's for sure. I like and that. And then uh, that's yeah, what, what I was gonna I was going to also ask, like, what role do you think the fallen angels, the Nephilim will have in the end times? I know in uh, I know Jesus said that um, in uh, Matthew 24, uh, verses 37 through 39, he said, but as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the son of man be for for as in the days there were before the flood, there were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that uh, Noah entered into the ark. And now until the flood came and took them away, so shall the coming of the son of man be. So some like, you know, Chuck Missler, a couple other people that we listened to were thinking that maybe the Nephilim would come back, you know, or giants would come back. Uh, is that something that you, you maybe think, Gary? It's definitely a possibility. We can't rule it out because you have giants. And, and the days of Noah, I think, are words that are chosen by Jesus that is very, very specific, even though the New Testament comes out of Greek. In the Old Testament, it's translated out of Hebrew. If you look at where it actually says the days of Noah, mm -hmm. okay, you're going to start in Genesis 9.29, and you're going to have uh, words that, and the days of Noah were 600 years before the flood, 350 years after the flood, which is the significance of the Sodom and Gomorrah aspect and the giants after the flood. So it's kind of like that. That's kind of a bridging of one apocalypse to apocalypse of fire for the end time as well. You also get that as a reference, let's say, in 2 Peter 2.4, uh, where it's talking about the crimes of what happened before the flood combined with the crimes at Sodom and Gomorrah as in the days of Noah. So I think we need to understand both of it and understand Babel is the center of that religion where it breaks out in the days of Noah after the flood and Enochian mysticism, as I think we might've talked about in the last show, was that universal mystical religion that was reestablished at Babel under, under Nimrod. So you have um, that days of Noah aspect that we have to understand. And that includes the concept of not only angels being with us in the last generation, um, yeah. walking with us just as they did and were being worshipped in that pantheon of gods, of the seven major gods and all the, all the lesser gods, all of the fallen angels. And they also procreated um, both before and after the flood in terms of my position is means heavily to second position, even though I'm open to perhaps they're surviving. Yeah. But nonetheless giants show up after the flood and that's the thing to to be to, to remember so we're either going to see giants show up in a way that would be as their descendants and i make a good case for that with the royal bloodlines sure. um, that and and they're going to be part of those uh people who are going to roll rule the earth with the 10 kings of the groups of nations and the empires of those 10, 10 groups of nations. So that's why you see China, it's going to take more. You're going to have Russia take more. And they're going to eventually have 10 large groups that each have a representative. Probably most of them will be bloodlines. We, we have to be open to the fact, though, that when we look at the passage in the metallic empires uh, laid in, in, um, in Daniel uh, chapter 2, where you have the four metallic empires, which are the same as the four beast empires in Daniel 7. Um, you have in that end time empire, you have either descendants or a different race of people that are going to be mixing their blood with the human seed. 
as the King James Version talks about. So something's going on there. Either that is a mixing of spirit or a mixing of how you reproduce. And there's two different peoples going on. However you want to define that's going to take place. It could be as well that that commingling that's being talked about is from a spiritual perspective and that you have demons who are wandering the earth and ones that will later be released from the abyss with the fallen angels are yeah. going to possess some of these kings of the of that last empire or you're going to have like a clone body for an oiketarian uh, dwelling place for the spirit so that it can interact in the physical world because just as jesus talked about these demon spirits who weren't locked into the abyss and there's two groups of them as with the angels uh that uh they are like in dry places and they they thirsting to be in a body for rest and to interact so for them yeah. to interact um you have to be prepared for the fact that they're going to have to possess a body or have a, a new oikotarian created for them and so that's the word habitat that's the dwelling place that um the angels left in jude 1 6 that's yeah. a dwelling place for the spirit. And so angels Peter, Peter also place talked for about the spirit as well, right? Yeah. So angels as well. So you could have that or you could have a recreation of the giants. But we're going to see something like that as it transforms and becomes a little bit more, I think, obvious. And you have the angels who walked and, and governed with humans and governed over humans with their divine representatives, right? So uh, I think you're going to see angels that are not in the abyss because only the impassioned and the worst of the ones went in, uh, yeah. who are going to probably take an oikotarian in a body. And we know angels can do that because we've got angels in the Sodom story again, in the days of Noah, um, where two of them accompany um, the Lord to visit Abraham. And then those two will go on to Sodom to do the destruction. And they are men, as they're described, and they look like men. And initially, they're not recognized as angels, but then they are, and they eat, and they interact, they touch, and then they do the same thing. And actually, people want to have sex with them in, in Sodom. So they're physically there. So expect the fallen angels to, to do that again as well. And then angels and demons, with the opening of the abyss in Revelation 9, will also yeah. enter in just before the midpoint of the last seven years, certainly after the seals are opened by uh, a linear understanding of the seals, um, trumpets, and bowls, which, by the way, gives the, the birth pangs give you perfect allegorical, prophetic allegory uh, and synergy uh, and um, order in terms of the increasing 25%, 33%, and what would be 100% unless Jesus stepped in for, for the uh, seal, trumpet, and wrath judgments. So you see that that uh, birth pang getting stronger as you go through with destruction. And, and so, and so you have the, these uh, giants that uh, uh, that these demons that are going to be released and angels released just before the midpoint. And of course, in Revelation nine, you have the counterfeit Armageddon. You have the two hundred million man army. That is the same description of people in Joel one and two, verses mm -hmm. three, which is the Armageddon war. And then you have that. Another war that matches up, which is the Ezekiel War, 38 and 39, where you have Gog and Magog. And yes. Magog uh, is, in, is, is in the Bible, in the Table of Nations, but Gog isn't. And Magog and Gog, in polytheism, were the offspring giants 
of Iapetus before the flood. And so you wonder whether or not that's also part of what Daniel 2 was talking about, where not only are those nations and nations descended through the, the table of nations as they intermarried with giants after the flood, there is also a possibility that these leaders are demons in some yeah. sort of body or been yeah. recreated because Gog is defined both from the Greek and the Hebrew as also an allegory for an end time antichrist figure, which you would need yeah. for a counterfeit Armageddon. And then you've got the war in heaven that goes on at Revelation 12 with three and a half years left that Revelation 12 gives you the timing on. So at the time of the abomination or just shortly thereafter, there's the war in heaven and the rest of the fallen angels are all sent down to the earth. So we're going to have that mm. commingling completely of at least 33 million fallen angels because wow. whether or not the number is allegorical or not, it's a big number. Um, yeah. Because you also have angels counted as uncountable, like so a yeah. huge number. But in, in Daniel 8 and in, in, in Revelation, it, you get a number of 10,000 times 10,000 of angels. That's 100 million. So if a third have already rebelled, that's at least 33 million of them. And it only takes one angel to wipe out 40,000 men in, in one night or whatever it was. So it was you know, 180, so. Yeah, 180,000 men. 180,000, yeah. Slit, and he slit the throat of every other man. So the other guys woke up. They were like, what the? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, uh, <laughs> yeah they, they have some kind of power. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. And then as far as you were talking about angels, also like uh, Hebrews 13.1, it says, uh, you know, don't forget to entertain strangers for doing so. You're unwittingly entertaining angels. So you never know when you're actually entertaining yeah. an angel here on earth. So that's but I like what Gary yeah. said about how uh, maybe these leaders have that are demonized. But what if you think about the stuff that they worship, the stuff that they worship are mostly a lot of idols in, in India. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that in China, everywhere you go, even in Roman Catholicism, there's idols all over the place. So yes. even when you're worshiping that, you're you're bringing on a demon behind that that just says every idol has a demon behind it so if you're worshiping a huge major religion in your country your country is ran by that demon whatever's behind it i feel like that's that's what i would because i look at india other countries that are in famine they don't eat they'd rather worship a cow than feed their family you know what i mean they, they're they they take sa sacred things and don't understand that life is more sacred than that 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 object that was invented so you might want to well, I, I still think the demons, although they're worshipped, uh, and they're worshipped in the Old Testament as well, um, as you know, as devil gods, um, you have still the hierarchy in place. So you have the Psalms, Psalms 82 with the Council of the Gods, uh, who are overruling the 70 nations, and as they extend, the hierarchy just sort of branches out to, to sort of cover that. But demons answer to... The devil they answer to diabolos as opposed to daemon which is uh the demon as it comes out in in greek they are ghosts and shades um and so they do the bidding of satan and one presumes the hierarchy of uh council of, of angels they're low on the hierarchy above the elementals yeah. that we need to be aware of that the bible also talks about but they will and they will be part of as revelation talks about um, I think three times with demons 
uh, you know, when they're worshiping, still worshiping these idols that you're talking about in Revelation 9, that goes back to a demon word in Greek. And then you also have the demons that are part of the haunt of Babylon. So you get that idolatry back in. And then the third time is, is when demons come out of the mouth of the false prophet and the Antichrist to gather everybody for Armageddon. So you see that interaction in perhaps possession or um, maybe an invited um, possession where it will give them more power, but typically that would be done by a fallen angel or a god and an avatar avatar concept in polytheism, because typically possession is not symbiotic, right? It is, it's brutal. But if they're inviting that spirit in, that spirit may be suppressed yeah. and the spirit may be in more control, but it's not. They probably have a deal. They probably yeah, have deal. a deal set up yeah. like, hey, listen, like probably with the devil, because, you know, they're in, they're, you know, like you said, the royal messianic bloodlines or they're higher up. Yep. They might have a deal where they're like, hey, if I'm going to I'm going to I would like to invite it in, but I have to have some control and then it'll have some control as well. Yep. You know, I would think yep. there's a pact between them. Um, well, and that, yeah. and that may be and that may be well, iron doesn't mix with clay. Because basically yeah. clay is part of the whole allegory and meanings of the Hebrew words for Adam, you know, from red clay and being created from clay. And mm -hmm. iron comes out of the metallic empires of the descendants of the Raphaim. And the, mm. and because they're, they're all interconnected as they, they come down through through history and they're all beast empires, you know, just like Antichrist is going to be a beast. And you get this demon that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> 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 in Revelation now, 16. <laughs> I had a question. I had a question. Uh, where do you, I mean, it's, it's probably gonna be tough for you to end. I mean, where, where do you think the Antichrist, what nation do you think it's going to rise out of? Some people say Rome, some people say, you know, different things. What do you think? I know it's, it's hard to tell. And, and it's, it's hard to. It really is. And I, I tend to bring in the um, Daniel eight prophecy. And it, it, it isn't in contradiction with the seven empires, as it would include Assyria and Egypt, to add on to the five that's talked about in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 with the beast and metallic empires, with the sixth being the end time, or the seventh being the end time empire, and then the eighth being when Antichrist takes power. So eight in total, which is another interesting number when you bring Satan into the pantheon of seven gods of the wandering stars and the eighth is satan who's going to be worshipped with antichrist in the last yeah. three and a half years um, but you have in daniel eight you have a prophecy of alexander who's uh, the greek beast empire and he's the first one in that count and then it splits into small four. Horn, the small horn of the big horn isn't it isn't that the prophecy yep yep Oh, and it splits into four parts afterwards, just as the Greek Empire does. So that's five. And then mm -hmm. Rome is part of that empire, right? And then Rome takes power. That becomes six. And then the end time Rome, uh, Roman Empire becomes the seventh empire. But mm -hmm. it, so it works it to add more information, not in contradiction with um the beast empires or the metallic and how long empires. how long before and, this stuff happens is this prophecy written though well let me get to, to that in a second so oh. if you if you add in what is the meaning of this 
individual in the Greek empire who rose to a level that was antichrist-like. In fact, the Muslims actually looked at him as an antichrist figure with a horn or two horns, right? And one could make an argument that it's going to be from the bloodlines descending out of that, that empire and in the Greek empire. I, I still don't like to get that specific. I like yeah. to still say, well, it's probably within the, the Greek and the Roman empire somewhere. Uh, yeah. which seems most likely with all of the allegories around Rome that is in the empire yeah. that comes out of that empire. That seems most likely, but we, again, we don't want to become too um, <laughs> yeah. legalistic about that. Right. Yeah. So just in case, cause we don't want to lose our credibility. So we want to make sure we understand what the possibilities are. So how fast does this come around? Uh, I think was, was, was the question that was posed. And I think we're getting closer. But I think it's going to take the universal religion to come about first, and it's going to take catastrophes, and it's going to take the false prophets of Babylon who are going to predict apocalyptic doom through contrived catastrophes, and I think the birth pangs are contrived catastrophes caused to bring about the day of reckoning because they want this battle with God to... to, to, um, trying to defeat God or at least win a realm on their own like Lucifer was after in Isaiah 14. So I think that we need to see Babylon come along first. We need these catastrophes, these false prophets to bring Babylon along first, because if you look at Revelation 17 again, she rides the beast of empires and she controls them she reigns over them with reigns i mean part of the part of the allegory and the etymology of of the words and so you have these 10 kings who are going to grow jealous of babylon and you're going to hand their power over to antichrist to destroy babylon shortly after the midpoint of the last seven years so they're trying to they're trying to get rid of her. And the only way that that can happen is Babylon comes to power first and puts them in place. And they're not in place for a long period of time. And Antichrist is the one that's going to negotiate that covenant for the last seven years in Daniel 9, 27. And then Revelation, yeah. And, then Revelation, and to put one other piece into perspective there, you have Revelation 2, 8, and 9. I think it's 2, 9 to be specific, where you have a tribulation for 10 days. And of course, the week of years and the timing between the midpoints and the three and a half years of time, times and half a time, all the imagery of the count is um, a, a day is a year in, in, in these prophecies that work so well between Revelation and, and Daniel. And so if that's 10 days of tribulation, that's more than the last seven years. So there's going to be significant tribulation then yeah. before the covenant that brings these 10 kings to power happens, which presupposes that Babylon would be the one that's causing that tribulation, just as were, it really gets describing- bad by Babylon in the first three and a half years. When you were describing the her, it I mean, it, doesn't it kind of sound like America to you in, in a way where you said her, like we got, we got the Statue of Liberty. You were talking about, uh, them controlling the reins. It seems like America's kind of leading the way, but people are very jealous of America and want to take over. I, I don't want to, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of. Yeah, I, just, I, I go, I go back to the word city nine times in Revelation. Uh-huh. So Babylon is a city and um, I would look at America as being very powerful. 
yeah. will be running one of the 10 Kings. Probably yes. uh, it's going to go through some issues before we get to that point, mm -hmm. um, which we're starting to see happen. You could have a split up of the US, you could have a war that you know hurts Israel significantly. I mean, the United yeah. States significantly, but it's going to be one of the 10 Kings. That's yeah. going to see okay. a number of groups. So even if the U.S. splits up, it's still going to come together as part of that that empire. Okay. And, and it might be even shaping up these days as Australia right through to England, which would put sort of most of the English speaking nations, you know, back together as a as part of the end time empire. Wow, interesting. Um, and then also, I got another question for you. What do you think the mark of the beast will be? We have so many rumors flying around, like yeah. uh, you know. They think it's, you know, I don't even want to say the word because we get kicked off of YouTube, but they think it's the JAB. Uh, they think it's uh, a microchip, whatever. I mean, per, I mean, what, what do you think it would be, Gary? It's still developing. So mm -hmm. if you look at, and so we can kind of imagine what the end time product might look at, but you need to under, imagine it through the lens of what is taking shape through the universal religion, the sciences and the political aspect that is all working sort of in separate lanes. So as you get um, universal religion that is, is going to be coming together and she's going to deceive all of the nations, she's going to put something in place yeah, that Antichrist well. inherits, right? Oh. So it's going to come through her. And the sorceries that Babylon deceives the nations is the word pharmakia. Mm. which is the root word pharmakia. for yep. pharmakia, yeah, uh, oh, pharma, pharma, pharma pharmacos. <laughs> so there's three words that are used for sorcerers and sorceries in Revelation, yeah. all meaning the same thing. And that's a source word for pharmaceuticals and yeah. charms and spells, as the other meaning goes. And so as you see, vaccinations um, is part of the pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals is also creating all of these new chemical drugs that are addicting everybody that goes to the black market, like opioids yes. and things like that. Yes. So I think there's a lot of that that's going on, but it's the medical side that we need to be aware of in conjunction with the pandemics and the delivery system for the cure. Right? Yes. And if you go to Davos uh, in 2017, they imagine the implant system that would have all of this AI connection and quantum mechanics and computing capability into different dimensions would be connected to a central core of intelligence and for a lack of a technical word this giant sort of computer we can't imagine of artificial mm -hmm. intelligence and that it would do things digitally just as they're sending digital messages with the uh, COVID uh, mRNA viruses that would just give you perfect health and cure all, all the diseases and that people would demand that. So I think that's going to be part of it. It's also going to be connected into this new type of currency that we're starting to see on the market that's more than just credit. It's turning into like an AI driven type of cryptocurrency. That's still developing and is going to be part of it. And it's going to be able to track everybody in Europe. So you have these lanes that are coming together that can be controlled yeah. by the religion and the Antichrist when he comes that they'll know where everybody is in the world and who has taken the mark and who hasn't. So it's still developing into this nexus point that yeah. is being assembled. So what the end point is, I can't quite imagine what all the idiosyncrasies of the technology might be. 
but I'm looking at all of these arms that are going to be coming together to form what that chip is. And that ability to change the DNA is the key to the mark of the beast and the consequence for going to the lake of fire. Because the only mm -hmm. sin that's not forgiven is a yep. blasphemy or a sin against the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the blasphemy and, of the Holy Spirit, yep. Or taking and, the mark of the beast, right? Yeah, and if you look at, okay. where do we get another analogy of who's going to the lake of fire? You're going to have the demons, you're going to have the fallen angels, and those who worship Antichrist and um, Satan in the last three and a half years. They all they will all burn forever in, in the lake of fire. And what yeah. the fallen angels did was they violated the laws of creation in the physical world something that yeah. they wouldn't have tried in the spiritual world because God would have zapped them completely, but there's free choice that are so that they were permitted to do that in, in the physical world. And they're the ones that are going to the lake of fire. So I think for yeah. violations against the laws of creation and crimes against humanity, because yeah. and the reason why I add that in it, because the Nephilim were created to be terrors and enslave humankind all throughout our history. And right. when we're resurrected, we'll judge those fallen angels, as the New Testament tells us. And so I think we're going to ju judge them for the crimes that they committed against the descendants of Adam since wow. the creation of Adam. Very interesting. Super interesting. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you, because we have, you know, we have a lot of people that are Christian and conspiracy listening to the show. I want to kind of give you a few names, if this is okay. And um, let me know, like, how much weight does the research hold in your opinion? Or is that okay? Yeah, I could save you I, some time. I don't look, I don't look at other people's research on this. Okay. Well, I, 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 won't, I, I won't even yeah. ask you then. I yeah. just, I mean, I respect, uh, I, I respect everybody who does research. But yes, I can't, I can't talk expertly on their research. And I think whether or not I agree or I disagree with them, yes. that's not really the point because nobody's ever going to 100% agree with everybody. Yeah. Um, okay. The point is, that. is that they're getting information <laughs> out there for people to consider, but you can go through the names. I just thought I'd put that out that, you know, yeah. I, and people ask me why I'm going, I'm so busy learning myself on my own. Yeah. I haven't really needed to rely on other people's research. Well, it's okay. I won't even, I won't even ask you cause I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> it's all good. If you, uh, if you, if you, you know, it's all, it's okay. Um, I got another question for you. I do. I do like a lot of the researchers out there though, from yes. what, what I've met and worked with, but for just, sure. Yeah. Not to be an expert on their work. So that make totally makes sense. Uh, what do you feel the abomination of desolation is? Well, I think two hey. Thessalonians four makes that quite clear. Yeah. It's the um, temple. Yeah, it's the uh, crowning of the Antichrist in the temple at the midpoint. That signals okay, so that that is years. the Antichrist. Yeah, kind of like when they when the when the, the they turned their backs to the temple and started worshiping the sun. That's an abomination. You're doing that stuff inside the yeah. temple. That's a big no-no. Yeah. So if you take, <laughs> and, if, and if you take the chronology that um, is being talked about in two Thessalonians two overlay that on what jesus lays down for a chronology you'll, you'll see it matches up perfectly and for people who's who might be still in the camp and you're well everybody's welcome to their own own views and um it's okay to agree to disagree if you look at how jesus lays out 
his signs. It's in a, it's in a chronological order, not a topical order. And you get that in that word then. Mm. Um, and that's just not an English word that's substituted in uh, that should mislead anybody. It goes back to the Greek word tote. That means at that time, thereafter, and it means that consistently all the way through. So he's telling you the order, and then he's giving you the midpoint with the abomination and to read about Daniel to understand it. And so yeah. if you want to understand prophecy and you want to understand uh, Revelation chronology, my advice is, is to place all prophecy around what Jesus said and not vice versa. Okay. Perfect. All right. Jason, do you have any questions, bro? No, I'm just, I like listening. I know. It's good, no. good stuff. It's, 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 it's the questions you're asking are fine. It's just, I just like to let him go and talk about what he's, what he knows. And this, this is, this is, this is good stuff. It's all very good. It's all and so, and that's why if you, you know, to understand the birth bangs, I, a lot of people make a great, um, I think, um, point that they're kind of all the same. Yeah. Yeah, they are because they all come from the four, Earth pangs, right? Yeah, I, and those are the identical ones that are described in the seals. Only now, they're not just getting stronger; it's twenty-five percent. Yeah, and as the birth pangs get stronger in the trumpets, then they get to be thirty-three percent. If if you if you do if you don't do anything else, my advice for people is is put everything around what Jesus said because it defines everything as the Word of God and the Spirit of Prophecy, as He's called in in Revelation, and yes don't exclude inconvenient passages yes it all it all has to fit it can't yes. contradict and don't and skip the credit and don't skip the uh the uh what are they called the the family trees of everybody don't skip those either those are very important if you get through there you got you'll it'll you'll show you a lot of crazy stuff in there there's a lot yep. of crazy <laughs> things in there everything in the bible that's written is important yes and it's it's there to show you and to it's like you know once you get into really get into it you know the holy spirit mm -hmm had his hand in the whole thing because it's 66,000 or, or 66 books written over thousands of years. One, the old Testament went through several thousand years and the new Testament has been through one person's lifetime. So it's, and, and they didn't hang out with each other. It's, it's only, only the, only the people in the end really did the ones in the beginning, they didn't hang out with the people in the end. Cause they didn't know each other. They were, it's, it's crazy how it all just lines up. All right. So anything, Gary, you want to talk about uh, as far as the end times that people could prepare for? Um, any any well, advice for, for any of the Christian conspiracy gentlemen that are listening to the show or, or, or females? Yeah, I would say that, I mean, we everybody needs to learn about prophecy. I mean, they do. And, and, and you also need to understand prehistory to understand prophecy and, and the history in the Bible. Um, just as what was just mentioned about understanding, you know, the genealogies that you, 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 the allegory in the context for a lot of end time prophecy is rooted in prehistory. It starts with the angelic rebellion and it continues into the creation of, of the giants and the beast empires. It all flows out of that. So you need to understand that to understand the full context of how horrible things are going to be. Yeah. And that everybody ought to pray not to be part of the last seven years because it's nobody should want to go through what we're going to go through. And so uh, I would I would encourage that in terms about end time prophecy. I would also um, encourage people to 
segregate Israel and Judah. It was two separate entities with separate prophecies assigned to them and do not confuse those prophecies to Judah and Israel or some of the sons of Israel, uh, as in Manasseh and Ephraim and Dan. Those are to be applied to them as well, particularly when you have the end time implication of that prophecy and not to overlay any of that onto the church's prophecies, which we get out of the New Testament for the, for the most part. And so they, and otherwise you're going to get confused and you're going to yeah. get contradictions, but the prophecy has markers. Not only do we get the chronology, it gives us markers all of the time in terms of the time frames, in terms of the trumpets. And the trumpet blasts are part of Old Testament prophecies. When you see trumpet and old time uh, prophecy, understand that's probably going to be part of the trumpet blast, right? Yeah. And you get the, the, the bowls of wrath um being poured out in the old testament you get the day of the lord you get the year of the lord's favor those are all markers that will help you establish the chronology of the last seven years and what happens before and what happens during and then you won't get you won't get confused as to the tribulation being the wrath because they're two different things yeah, and for those that are listening that are just uh, starting to read the Bible, you know, and, and uh, that are new to this, I mean, you, you got, you know, try to do your best to just get a relationship with God and and try to catch up. And because um, what we're describing right now is is not it's not a walk in the park, you know, everything that that um, that Gary is going over, everything that's in Revelation, it's not a walk in the park, man, we got to definitely be ready. Um, you know, you want to know God, you don't want to be the one that's that, that, that Jesus says, you know, you might've prophesied in my name, but I never knew you. Uh, you don't want to be going through the, the, the end times of the seven year tribulation. You, you know, you want to try to get raptured, which I believe the rapture, do you, I didn't even get to ask you about that. Uh, do you believe in the pre the mid or the, uh, or the end post, rapture post rapture? I, I pray for a pre <laughs> Me too. I don't think but, we deserve it, though. But, <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, if if I put all of the verses together and put it in a way that there is no contradictions, because that's why it, there can't be any contradictions, I find that it comes to sometimes just after the midpoint of the last seven years. Okay. And that and that includes like if you're going to include prophecies on rapture. Um, it, all of the events and the timing can't contradict any of the other prophecies anywhere. And that also includes the, the sequence of the resurrections. You have yeah. to have an understanding of that as to when they happen, because you get at the rapture point, all of those who weren't martyred, all the ones who weren't first fruits, right, yeah. are going to be um, resurrected at that point in time. And uh, let alone, there's two other resurrections after that. You've got Ezekiel 37 with Israel, and after they after they accept uh, Jesus and, um, and and as their Messiah, and that's at the time of the second Exodus, which is in the second half, uh, which is another you know big big sort of end time uh, story in in itself, and that you have the resurrection of those in the last three and a half years who refused the mark and are killed, right? So yeah. you've got different resurrections, but it's that first fruits one that really, you gotta understand who the first fruits are. The first fruits are described in Revelation six, mm -hmm. are the ones who died for the testimony of Jesus. Yeah. And those who are told to wait for those who are gonna come out of the tribulation 
for the tribulation of the saints in Revelation 7. That will be martyred like them. And there would have been first fruits probably before because we have a council of humans there before. So there's a series of resurrections that happen. And you have first fruits as classified in Revelation 14 that applies to the 144,000 who are not we're not told who are killed, but they're seen in heaven. So the implication is as first fruits mm -hmm. were slain for their testimony in the first three and a half years. And so you can't have the other resurrection in the time of rapture until all the first fruits are taken, but not inclusive of the ones who take the mark or refuse yeah. the mark, um, yeah. as, as I would understand it. But I could also understand how you could make an argument towards that but I, I don't think so because of the other resurrections and and, and and the other passages and people say well what jesus said let's say in matthew 24 you get the great tribulation after the abomination correct that's the great tribulation of the world it's not the tribulation of the saints yeah. and that's the time of the raffles and if you go back into matthew in the early parts and after the birth pains and I think starting in about verse nine, uh -huh. people are going to be afflicted and then they're going to be turned in. They're going to be persecuted. They're going to be killed. That's what is being talked about in Revelation seven. And here's the catcher. That word afflicted goes back to the Greek word uh, Philippis, mm -hmm. which is the word that is used for tribulation. Okay. Wow. So, it's, okay. so if the translators were a little bit more consistent, you would be saying tribulation there where you do two other times in, in Matthew 24, and it's the same word that's used in Mark. So you do have that tribulation of the saints that's separate from the tribulation of the whole world that hasn't mm -hmm. been seen since the beginning, two separate tribulations. And I have a, I have a great document on the two tribulations if people want to get hold of me on it and if people are interested in my in my approach if you if there's some curiosity that you find of interest there i've got a 10 point sort of bullets points that i apply to how i approach prophecy so mm -hmm. it's pretty okay. simple and if you if people want to have a look at that and if that helps just get a hold of me through my website uh through the email contact the author and i'll send that to you Thank you, Gary. Um, okay, it's been about an hour. Um, I want to know, Gary, what are you working on? Uh, what do you have coming up? Uh, you can tell our audience and uh, how to get a hold of you and, uh, you know, what you got going. Well, I do not have any conferences booked at this point because things are still up in the air. To, um, borders are just starting to open up, but we'll see how that sort of transpires and whether or not there's going to be conferences. I, I did get an email that uh, for to go to England to do one for next year so I'll be responding mm. about that so I, I'm open if, if if travel is available and I can actually get across the borders I'm, I'm open to do that but nothing booked but I am in the meantime working on two books um, one I've set aside which is about the second exodus to get out a new book for early in the new year uh, which is the sequel to the Genesis 6 conspiracy and, awesome. the, and the title for it that I've got in mind, we'll see what the publisher says, but it'll be entitled Prehistory and Prophecy, the Genesis 6 Conspiracy Part 2. Mm. And this is going to be essentially all biblically based so that people can understand that connection from prehistory to the meanings and examples in prophecy. But I will also walk through, because I found it absolutely astounding um, in the shows and the, and the contact that I have with people that are getting a hold of me is that 
They want more information about how giants and angels, where they show up, why it's important in the Bible. And they have no idea how much is, is talked about, about giants and prehistory and references to prehistory and the angelic rebellion and how that sort of plays out through prehistory, history, and into prophecy. And so that's what the book is going to do. It's going to weave more of the information or as much as I can get out of my head into a book and all about giants in the Old Testament, both before and after the flood, heavily after the flood, and how that connects to prophecy. And so I'm hoping to have that out next year. So, and it's going to walk through peoples that they have never even thought of in terms of being giants or hybrid giants. (laughs) That's what I like about you, Gary. You funnel, you funnel your, all of your knowledge through the Bible. And I like that you, you, you don't just take it and be like, Oh, I found a mythical cool story and I'm going to go with it. No, you fun with the Bible. And I like how you're explaining because I feel like we're in a time of the most Bible literate people. There are, like you said, they have all these questions about where is it? But I talk to my friends, they go, what are you talking about? There's giants yeah. in the Bible. I go, yeah, they're pretty big. And I take a measure because I work with, with, with uh, I take a big old measuring uh, tape out. I show them how big Og the King of Bushan's bed was. They're yeah. like, no yeah. way. And I'm like, yes, dude, this is, you gotta understand, cubits is 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 a little bit bigger than a foot, and 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 I'm explaining it to him. And if it's a royal cubit, he's gonna be in royalty, so he's gonna be a little bit bigger than everybody else. And he's yeah. like, so he was 19, dude. He could be as tall as who knows, but they're all through the Bible. It's in there, and people think it's like, well, why don't they speak about the Nephilim more? And I said, because they already knew about them. The Bible well, here's was the thing about them back yeah. then. They don't even the talk thing. about that much. I mean, here, here's the thing. Two things on that is is the church does not teach prehistory prophecy so people are blind in that and that's that's a fundamental failure of christianity today and they're not taught about that in seminary schools and they're told to avoid it so yeah. well, that's why it's not being seth. passed down yeah now seth and cain uh, is what they try to go with so that it just it exactly makes, yeah. yeah which makes no yeah. sense because the bible yeah it's shred that. contradiction you can shred that. <laughs> yeah. you can so what people don't understand is is rephaim which is the root word for giant most of the time in the Old Testament is used 25 times. Yeah. And people don't know that. Uh, and Nephilim is only used three times. Yeah. Uh, once in Genesis 6, 4, and twice in Numbers 13, 33, when it's part of the embellished uh, report, because they're talking about Anakim, who are giants, which is the word Rapha out of Deuteronomy 2, which is Raphaim. So yeah. the giants after the flood are talked about as Raphaim. But I mean, People don't know that Cherethim are Raphaim. People don't know that Perizim are Raphaim. They don't know, as I said, so many different nations. And they don't know why. And nobody ever asked. And I, it's, it's stunning to me. Why don't nine of the 12 uh, people listed as part of the Canaanite tribes, Canaan, Sidon, and Heth, the three named, why are the other nine? Do they not have um, a patriarch? Because everybody else in the table of nations does for the 70 nations. And that's because uh, the patriarch, and I'll cover that in detail in the book, are Raphaim names. Nice. Yeah. So they're good not, good they're not here. Right there, Gary. Yeah. If I, was in, if I was next to you, I'd give you a big old hug right now. You're, 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 so, you're, so, you're so, so BA. It's awesome. And that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, 
we really, really appreciate you. And uh, and like I said, man, we'll have you on again at some point. Uh, you're like the perfect guest. Maybe we could do like a Jesuit episode. I know you're really good with the Jesuits. That's how I was yep. introduced to you off the fourth watch, like four years ago. I was like, and then I was like, I got to get Gary on the show. I, I got, and I was, I'm so happy to have you on. And, and it's really a blessing to have you on. And I think we, I think we mesh well, you know, and, and I really love the yeah. show. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, I really appreciate you. it. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. And uh, hopefully uh, we've raised a little bit of curiosity with the audience and maybe connected a few more dots. And hopefully sure. uh, that helps people in the pursuit because we're all trying to learn more about this and we're all trying to learn about it to be able to communicate it in a way that's going to wake up other people. Yes, and that's it. All right, let's end this in prayer, guys. Uh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you once again for providing us with a clear connection. Uh, I just want my audience, if you could help them to get more into the word, help them get more into prophecy, help them get have a better relationship with you, Lord. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, giving us this platform and uh, giving us uh, Gary to come on and, um, you know, clearing his schedule to have him come on, Lord. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I pray for everybody out there that's going through any type of hardship. I pray that any of these rumors of wars, uh, Lord, we pray for peace. Uh, we definitely don't need uh, China, Australia, any of these countries uh, fighting because I know that uh, our, our, our military will be will be next to, to, to take them on. So help us, Lord. We appreciate everything. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Thank you, Gary. And we will definitely have you on soon. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Hey, thank you, Gary, again. Wonderful speaking to you, Josh. Love you, brother. Love both of you guys. Love you too, brother. Keep the word. Hey, where'd he go, man? I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'll see you guys later.